Hi guys, welcome to another podcast from BrettfairTradingCommunity.com with me, your host Martin. Um, well, I'm really excited because we've just had an incredible weekend of trading, lots of sport on. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of get excited on a Monday morning because it's kind of like we, it's almost, to me it almost feels like a celebration, right, when I'm trading a weekend like that where there's so much good sport on. I mean, we had the Ashes, fifth test. Probably best not speak too much about that, although we're going to. Um, we had the NFL playoffs starting, um, definitely one of my favourite times of the year. Anyone who's listened to me for a long time will know that the NFL, and specifically American football, um, is my favourite sport. I just absolutely love it, absolutely adore it. I could watch it all day, every day, and uh, I get in trouble where, you know, from my wife for watching it too much as it is, so she won't be too happy about that. But uh, yeah, absolutely love the NFL, so it's great to have the playoffs here. I'm going to talk a little bit about some trading I've done in that as well. And uh, obviously lots of football on as well. Um, so, you know, although we're we're living in a strange time where teams don't seem to really want to play each other, <laughs> the most, it's really weird. It's a really weird world, right? I think one of the things that's kind of come to light over the last few weeks is that football clubs, you know, if they don't have to, don't seem to really want to play each other. <laughs> like, when given the choice, it seems that football clubs just go, nah, actually, we'd rather, we'd rather sit this one out. Um, you know, especially at the high level. It's really strange. I think as, as someone who's obviously never played professional football, it's, it's very strange to me because, you know, when I played football, what I really wanted to do was just play football and play more football. You know, even when I coached football, what I wanted to do, what I really enjoyed was getting to the games, you know, coaching people and, and seeing kind of the fruits of my labour in those games. So I know it's people's jobs on the line, but I'm I'm always a bit disappointed when I come out and hear managers saying they don't want to play and then, you know, clubs kind of backing out of matches because of a few injuries here and there, especially when you got squads like some of these Premier League teams have where they could essentially field, you know, four or five full teams um, because of the talent they've got. And you can't just dismiss the younger talent and say, oh, well, they're, you know, they're an under-23 player or whatever, so they don't count. It's, it's a total nonsense. I mean, a lot of those players end up going on loan um, in Europe and do really well in kind of the top leagues in Germany and Italy and places like that. So, yeah, I just... I'm just a bit disappointed because I also think what's interesting, I think as a fan, right, and we're all hopefully, you know, if you're into football, we're all fans. There's nothing better for me as a fan than watching a young player play and seeing, are they good? Can they develop? What are they like? What's our youth development looking like? You know, we had this weekend with Norwich, we had Adam Eder score, which was great for us to see a young player like that who looks like he's got a lot of talent. Uh, but we don't know really a lot about him. We don't know whether he's got the talent to make it, especially at Premier League level, which obviously, you know, the most most competitive league in Europe, really, in terms of talent. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I really enjoy all that stuff. You know, I think the young players having all that fun, seeing them. I remember that Chelsea team a couple of years ago, and, even non-Chelsea fans were loving watching all those young players that Lampard was playing and watching them have success and going, wow, these are going to be good players. And look how many of those players have come through 
and are still playing regularly um, in the top flights in Europe. Not, not necessarily all for Chelsea, obviously, because Chelsea just buy talent when they when they want to. But it's it's interesting to see kind of young players. So I'm always disappointed when clubs would rather not play than play some youngsters. Um, and I think it's just it's just kind of I just think it's a letdown. Uh, for everyone involved I think it's a letdown for the fans and I'm, I'm going to end this rant in a second because I know that's not really what you guys want to hear about but it's I just think it's really interesting isn't it we've kind of learned clubs don't want to play each other it's a it's a really bizarre situation um, but anyway I'm going to start on the football actually because I want to talk about motivation in football a bit um, so I watched a game yesterday the only game I watched was Inter Milan versus Atalanta um, Atalanta actually at home so I should have said that the other way around really but what was interesting with this match it was nil-nil so I'm glad I I'm glad I sat and watched that whole game um, I mean there were lots of chances there should have been goals but one thing that, that struck me was that Inter played the Super Cup in midweek right which is a really bizarre thing to happen so in Italy they have a Super Cup at the moment they now do it you know in mid-January which to me makes very little sense um, it works much better as the start of the season you know a week before the season starts you know because it I mean I think to us in here in England it's basically just kind of a step up from a friendly right it's a nice thing to win if you can but it's not exactly like a major achievement because there's only two teams in it you know and it's sort of, yeah you can turn around and say well yeah but they're they're the league winners and the cup winners yeah, that's great, but at the same time, you're the league winners and you won your league winners trophy for that, right? It's weird to go into a competition that only two teams go into. Um, you know, two teams who did compete in both those competitions already. You know, Inter and Juventus played in the Cup and Juventus played in the league. I think, I think they even played each other in the Cup, actually played each other, not just that they were both in the same Cup competition. You know, it's not like... So, some people are kind of a bit similarly thinking about the Club World Cup, which I actually have a very different view on, where I feel like the Club World Cup is actually a really... It should be seen as a really important event because it's it's kind of the confirmation of if you win the Champions League, you can now go and be fully the world champion. Because it's all well and good to call yourself that and say, you know, you've won the European Cup, which is the biggest trophy in club football but if you then go and lose to a South American team who let's face it don't have anywhere near the kind of resources that the, the top European clubs have actually it's kind of shambolic to try and call yourself the best team in the world at that point so I think the Club World Cup is really important I think teams should take it seriously and I think it's an incredible thing to win because you can turn around and say we are literally champions of the world uh, we've won our continental competition and then we've won the world competition okay totally different to super cups but anyway they play the super cup in midweek and they take it quite seriously in italy and um inter named a really strong team uh it went to extra time which again you know doesn't really help middle of the season you've had a match go to extra time players are tired enough as it is of all the games being cancelled and COVID and having to fit things in. I mean, actually looking at Inter's schedule, they're going to be playing like midweek pretty much now till the end of the season. So it's going to be quite a slog for them. So 
in a way, I look back at it and I think, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be greatly surprised this game did end 0-0. Um, you know, I think Atalanta had played midweek as well. So you've got two teams that have played midweek. You've got one that went to extra time. Um, and it just became one of those things where the teams, you know, they did look visibly sluggish. They looked visibly tired. Um, and it's one of those things that I think you have to try and be on top of when you're trading because it would be so easy as a trader to think, right, into Atalanta, everything suggests goals. These guys score and they can see, well, especially Atlanta, they, they score and they can see goals. So there should be goals, right? But the thing is, if you if you forget that the Super Cup happened in midweek, it's easy to think that way. But then when you add that factor in, I think it does change things. Um, and it's one of those things where I was saying, I actually said to a member on the forum in the week, I said, on, when Inter played the Super Cup, before they played them, I said, I don't think Inter should play a strong team. I think they should play, you know, should rotate, rest a few players for the week, because they've got a big match on the weekend. And to me... When you're playing the fourth team in a table away from home, that's the game you take seriously. The Super Cup, sure, put out a decent team, but you know because of the situation it is mid-season, everyone's played low. Rotate your players, you know, get some fresh legs out there, because what you don't want is your first team playing extra time, which is exactly what happened, right? So try and be aware of those factors. You know, whenever you trade a match, look at what the previous games were. You know, just have a quick look. It doesn't take long. The great thing about the software we have at Betfair Trading Community is it will give you your filters, right? It will it will show you which games it highlights for that day that you should trade, right? That are part of your strategy or your system. But then the next step and the really the really good thing you can do is just because you've got this short list, you can go and check that game. Just Google quickly, right, what, what were the last few games? Into results. If you write into results in Google, it will show you like the last five results. You don't have to do anything else, right? It will tell you, Super Cup. Ah, okay, extra time. Alexi Sanchez scored in the 120th minute. And now he's starting. I wonder how he's going to feel. You know, it's things like this um, that are easy to do once you've got that shortlist. Now, I think before the filters came along, before our software came along, there was an excuse not to fully check all that stuff because you'd just be like, well, I'm having to check every game individually just to get my shortlist. I then don't want to spend more time on the shortlist. But this kind of gives you that. It's, it's kind of like, you know how companies do the kind of two-step authentication process now, right? Well, we can do that. That's essentially us doing that. So our first step, we get the filters, we get the list of games, it's a short list, and then we can go and research a bit more on those games. And we've got time to do that because of the time we've saved. And we'll still have time saved in spades compared to the old manual way of doing things, which was you know, an absolute time killer for me, personally. I spent hours on a weekend researching football. I mean, hours and hours. Like The software is a godsend. Even if you know Betfair Trading Community had no members, I'd still be like, going to Adam, please keep creating that software because it saves me, you know, this, this is how I make my main living and this this saves me so much time and that's an important thing in life, right? Time matters. Um, so yeah, the football, I think it's interesting because you've got to, you've got to look at things and look at the bigger picture and I think that Super Cup was a red flag for me. Okay, so 
Let's move on to cricket. Cricket this weekend. I've had a really good weekend. Like I said, I just I'm, I really enjoyed this weekend. I thought it was so so good for trading. I thought it was so good for watching um, sport. And you know, this, to me, there's nothing better than those two things. So to combine them for the weekend, I just get pumped about it. And the cricket. It's funny how happy I am about the cricket when England. <laughs> you know, I'm from England, and England got hammered again. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly to most of us, um, but I want to I want to kind of highlight something that happened in that game, and and one of the things that always surprises me with cricket, and it seems to happen in cricket more than any other sport, is that the market really panics, like it gets so worried, it almost gets itself into a tiz in cricket, especially in Test match cricket, and you see opportunities that you just you almost have to blink twice to believe them. And I'm going to talk about one now. Because I talked about it yesterday on the forum, and I think I gave a really good explanation of A, why it was a value play, and B, the mentality you should take into any value trade or any value bet you make. And the first thing was that when you assess value, a lot of the time, the simplest thing you can do is look at history, right? Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is there was one stat that stood out to me. So England were batting in the fourth innings, in the final innings. They needed to chase, I think it was about 277 runs, which is a high total to chase in fourth innings. It doesn't sound like a high total in test cricket because you're always thinking about first innings where teams are scoring, you know, sometimes four, five, six hundred runs. But the fourth innings, when a pitch has been used a lot, when it's worn down, actually 277 is quite a difficult target to chase. Okay, now it's far from it's far from impossible. Don't get me wrong, but there ha I would I haven't actually looked at this particular stat, but I bet there hasn't been like hundreds of chases over 250 in Test cricket. I'd love to see how many. But anyway. Four innings, England needing nearly 300. Now, this was the stat that was glaring to me. England had not chased over 200, so not over 250, over 200 runs, which doesn't seem a lot at all, does it? England had not chased over 200 runs in the fourth innings of an Ashes test in Australia in 60 years. 60 years. Now... Let's think about how many test matches are played in Australia for the Ashes. So let's say they play four every 15 years. That's 60 test matches. So in 60 test matches, well, it's not four, is it? it's five, sorry. So that's 75 test matches, potentially, right? Not once in 75 attempts have England got over 200. So... We're not even talking about 250, we're not talking about 260, we're not even talking about 270. 200. So a target that is far lower than the actual target England have to chase in this instance, which is 277. They haven't even done that in 75 goes. Okay. Now how often are they chasing in the fourth innings? Well, let's say it's most of the time, it's going to be around 50% of the time, right? If they win the toss. 
So you're looking at potentially 37, 38 games where England were chasing and they didn't do it. Okay, That is an amazing stat. Okay, there's no, there's no way, there's no other way of looking at that and going, that is an amazing stat. And that tells you something. What does it tell you? It tells you England aren't going to do this chase. Right? The odds suggest, the history suggests they're not going to do it. Okay, Let's look at some other factors, though. Maybe you're really just like, oh, well, history is history. Because some people, I mean, I, I still, a beggar's belief to me, but some people tell me stats are irrelevant. Stats... Pre-match stats are non, you know, they're not needed, and and I just I'm flabbergasted when people say that. England playing this Ashes series, they'd had four tests before this one. They lost three convincingly, and the one they drew was only because Australia's bowlers ran out of time trying to bowl them out. They weren't anywhere near the total. They would have lost that match if if it had been able to carry on for another hour or so, however long it took. So I think they needed one wicket and England needed like 200 runs, right? So that wasn't happening. So essentially, four matches England had a chance to show that they could win. They hadn't got close. So factor that in as well to this. England chasing 277. Not done that in 60 years, not got over 200. Not many teams chase 277 in the fourth innings of a test. England have basically not been up to it in four tests. So four out of four tests that just happened. You know, if you're one of these, well, I don't like ancient history kind of stuff, like 60 years, something that happened 60 years ago is irrelevant. Well, it's not really, because what happens, especially in something like cricket, is we're talking about the whole of the last 60 years. We're not talking about just a stat from 60 years ago. We're talking about every single time England have chased in Australia. Now, here's the other thing. The pitch was lively and tough to bat on. Okay? The pitch was tough to bat on. Australia had only scored, I think, 150 in their, la in their innings. England's first innings. So England's first innings, when the pitch was easier to bat on in theory, they only scored 188 runs. So they were nearly 100 runs short of this target they now, now need to make on a harder to bat pitch. And number, f this is like the fifth point. England are terrible at batting, right? You know, and these are factors, but England have been all like, not just bad, woeful at batting in this series. If I tell you all those stats, if I tell you all those facts, how would you price England in this situation? Just think about it for a second. What odds would you say England were in this situation? You're probably thinking, well, so what? They've, they've probably played, they've probably chased like 37 times. They've not made a total over 200. A lot of the time they're going to be chasing over 200 in Australia. They've done it in this series a few times. So, and they've never done that. They lost, they basically lost the last four tests, even though they drew one. Pitch was lively, it's tough to bat on. Teams weren't scoring in this match. England are awful at batting. Let's say you put in the, you just put in the kind of random luck element. Well, maybe England have a really lucky innings, or they just 
perform out of their skin, given how regularly that seems to happen. What would odds be? 20 to 1 plus, at best, at best. The odds are 4 to 1. 5.1 to be specific, so slightly over 4 to 1. Now, when I tell you all these facts, I imagine 4 to 1 seems crazy short, right? So I laid at 5.1, and then someone mentioned on the forum about 3.5 looks a gift because England started well, and I said, this was, my, this was what I said to them. I said, it's a value play. Look at the history. It's a value play. Look at all, all the circumstances. Here's the thing. It's one of those trades where if you lay it and it loses... I don't think you can feel too bad about it. I think it's just one you take on the chin. I'm so convinced you're getting value in that position that on the very, very rare times that it does go against you, you take it on the chin. And then you look at all the other times it's been profitable and go, okay, well, I can take a loss because I've made profit all these other times. And that's what happens in these chases. The amount of times someone's advised on the forum in this position this is a great value lay i can i can genuinely only remember one or two times in because they do stick out because they're so rare in seven years where i'm like okay this has happened you know in seven years two or maybe two or three occasions i can only remember one or two i mean one really sticks out to me it was uh it was Pakistan chasing, I think, or Sri Lanka chasing against Pakistan one way round. And they were chasing over 300 and they did it. And it was like really unlikely. So these things do happen. But like I say, 20, 25 to 1 at best if I was laying in that situation. And yet I got the opportunity to lay at 5.1. That's a gift, right? Now here's the better thing. England start well. They, well. I say start well. If you watched the match, which I imagine a lot of you did, they were very lucky. I mean, they should have lost quite a few wickets. Uh, well, the opening batsmen basically should have been out a few times before they were. They were things just fizzing past the edge. LBWs that were just millimetres off. Um, you know, edges that were just flying just past the slips. And you could tell because all England were hitting were these kind of boundaries where it was just going off the edge and things like that a lot of the time. And you just knew as soon as one wicket falls, there's a real chance it's gonna it's just gonna cave in. Um, now I think England got to about eighty for naught, and they went to one point seven. I didn't quite get one point seven, but I I topped up my lay at one point seven five. Now, I want even if you're not interested in cricket, I really want you to think about this situation. Okay, I've opened a trade at five point one as a lay. The odds have gone against me a lot, and it's now one point seven five. So what did I do? I topped up my lay at one point seven five. Why did I do that? There's two reasons. Number one, 
it was it was a value play at 5.1 it was sure as hell a value play at 1.75 right all those factors i've mentioned number two when you top up at something like 1.75 if the market bounces your way you can actually you're actually getting a better you know kind of a better value position than you were originally so I don't know what the exact calculation is of hand, but let's say I lay at 5.1, then I lay at 1.75, assuming I'm laying with the same stake or whatever each time. I'm basically laying it closer to 3, 3.5 odds overall when you combine the two odds together. So if England do lose a couple of wickets and the odds bounce to 3.5 plus, I'll be in profit. However, had I not made the second lay and England lost a couple of wickets and went to 3.5 plus, I would still be in a losing position because I'd only have my original lay at 5.1. So topping up can be really effective of get, at getting your average odds back to a good position or an okay position where you can go, okay, if the market goes my way, I can get out if I want to. I'll be honest, I never got out of this trade um, anyway. But, you know, if you were so inclined, I know a lot of people just, they can't fathom the idea of letting a trade run. But in this instance, there was really no reason not to let this run. How many of you in this situation, when the odds came to 1.75, would red out and take a loss? How many of you would have taken a loss when it got to 3? Or you know, 2.5, when the odds had gone against you. Now, when you're playing a value play like this, sometimes the best thing you can do is, like, lay, don't lay a huge amount. Lay a, maybe a slightly smaller amount than usual. And know that this isn't a trade really this is a bet i'm laying this is a bet and i'm gonna let it run and sometimes you're switching up the game off go and do something else which is a bit what i did um you know once i placed my top up lay because of the way i'd structured my stake i wasn't in for huge money but i was in for an, a decent enough amount but it was you know nothing's ever gonna hurt my bankroll in that situation because i'm never I'm never, especially on trades I know I'm letting run, I'm never putting in more than 2% of my bankroll. And then, you know, I go away, and, and when I, by the time I come back, the game's over. The game is over, and I'm thinking, what the hell happened, <laughs> right? And I look, and England went from 80 for naught to all out for 124, right? Now, interestingly here, It was just so quick that England went odds on. Let's let's think about this. The market said England are now favourites to win this game. They should win this game. They were 80 for naught. They still had nearly 200 runs to get. Right? On a fourth day pitch. Where I told you, England still haven't chased over 200 in odds in 60 years. So even if you take out those 80 runs... And they were chasing 197. It's still massively unlikely. 
right? It's massively unlikely they're going to chase that, especially on this pitch. Cricket markets get too obsessed with, with, oh, they've made a good start, panic, panic. You know, in a test match, 200 runs is a lot of runs to get in a fourth innings, even when you start well. And we see this time and time again. And I'm always surprised that the market goes this way, but it does. And I'm, I'm very thankful that the market panics as much as it does, because it does create clear value opportunities. I actually think the best value opportunities in sports trading when you're looking for the widest margin of value, where it's just so clear in playing this day, is test cricket. You know, um, I trade a lot of sports, as you know, if you know me, I, I trade a lot of sports, you know, and I'm, my, a lot of my testing is, at the moment is based around football and horse racing, right? And some tennis. So I don't get to watch all the cricket I'd like to. I don't get to sit there and watch cricket all day, every day. However, I can make money on test matches because I know some factors. And if you give me some facts and some statistics and you give me a, a big run chase and I can lay the team chasing at short odds, I'm going to make money, right? And I make money doing that regularly. And actually, if you're on the forum, if you're part of our community, which if you're not, why not give it a go? You know, you get to talk to us all day. And also, we've got, we've got a great little cricket community as well. Great, lots of great people chatting on cricket at the minute. Um, it's, quite, it's, quite, it's quite good to see. But doesn't it just show you that the market can overreact? And I've given you a, a situation there where value is so obvious. Okay? So just take that with you. Maybe you're not feeling it you're not, you're not sure about cricket maybe it's not a sport you've, you've been interested in what i want you to think about more than anything from this situation is don't panic like the market does when when trades go against you when when the odds go against you remember why you made the trade originally and if that still holds water you don't need to exit your trade and you don't need to panic because you know if you're taking value value can shine through even when England start 80 for naught. And by the way, England went odds on. They didn't even get halfway to their total in the end. They lost by 146 runs and they went odds on. 146 runs and they went odds on. Mind-boggling, right? But it happens so often. I'm going to move on to the NFL now. Greatest show on turf, as they like to call it. Um, really good weekend so far. I've got one one more uh, team to go tonight. First ever Monday night playoff game, I believe. And what's really interesting here is that... So last week I pointed out a couple of teams that have already played, actually, which is good. And that was the Cincinnati Bengals and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the, I, I basically had a look at them. I like doing this, right? If you, if you know your sport that you trade, if there's a sport you love and you know it really well, one thing I advise you to do is go and look at the outright markets of that sport. So, for instance, I'm bringing it up now. When I, when I go to the NFL markets, I look at the, the first thing I look at 
is Super Bowl winner, right? But I look at the odds of all the teams because the great thing with the NFL is you get bigger odds, right? You get big odds. Why? Because there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of parity. But some teams' prices are just ridiculous. So last week, San Francisco 49ers were 29 on Betfair. So they've just made the last 12, essentially. They had a very winnable game coming up against Dallas, who hadn't been in great form, other than beating teams in their own division, who are generally considered not that great. So they hadn't been in great form. Um, and the 49ers were just a strong team who no one wanted to face. I think they were a top-scoring team in the league, I believe. Um, you know, really, really tough team to play. And they were odds of 29 to win the Super Bowl, even though they'd made the playoffs. And they'd made the playoffs in form. They went and beat the Rams at the Rams, who were con you know, considered a really good team. So I felt like that that's just way too, way too big. 29, right? So they played yesterday. So I advised this as well. I said, this is, a this is a dark horse, but this price is too big. I'm backing it. They won yesterday, right? So they basically made the quarterfinals, essentially. For, you know, I think six teams get eliminated. The field, you know, is shorter, but they've still got, they're still going to have a tough run because they're going to have to win two more games away from home. And then they're going to have to obviously win the Super Bowl, right? The odds have come in from 29 to 13. So um, remove all your liability in that situation. You're on a free bet. Brilliant. The other one I chose was the Bengals. Why did I choose the Bengals? Well, the Bengals were odds of 21. But they had a home game against the Raiders, who I thought were going to be knackered from the last week's exertions they had against the Chargers. But not just that, the Bengals have been in amazing form. So I just thought for a team in such great form, 21 seems a big price. So again, I said back that. Bengals won. Their odds came in, not as much. The odds came in 16.5. Um, and I said, just remove liability because why not ride a free bet there, right? So in this situation, if you'd followed this advice, you're now riding two really good free bets on Cincinnati and the 49ers. You can green up if you want, um, but I'm going to let them run for now. See if they can make it to the championship games next weekend. Well, the weekend after next. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. The other two I had already were the Bills and the Rams. Um, and the Bills... One which was good, so their odds came in and it looked really good as well, which I'm pleased about. Rams haven't played yet, so it's been a really good weekend. Um, even if Rams lose, it will still be good because of just how much the other odds have come in. But obviously, ideally, the Rams, if they win, uh, would help me out big time. <laughs> so, you know, I'll probably, if the Rams win, I'll probably remove all my liability from this market and just ride free bets for now and then at some point probably try and green up or just see what happens you know um but i really recommend people go and look at these outright markets because if you know your sport 
you can look at them and just spot value. And like last week, all I did, I turned on Betfair, looked at Super Bowl odds, and couldn't believe the odds that the 49ers especially were. 29, right? They're a good team. And anyone who knows the NFL, the 49ers are a good team. They're a tough team to play, right? Um, and again, I think, I think where people get lost in outright markets, and the reason you do get these ridiculous odds sometimes, is that people get obsessed with, yeah, but who's going to win? Right? Well, actually, in a situation like this, and it can be the same in tennis, it can be the same in football, it's not always about who's going to win. It's about who's going to get to the next round. You know, who can do this? Whose odds are too big? You know, if the if this playoff was played, what? So they're twenty eight to one. So if this playoff was played twenty nine times, would the San Francisco Forty Nine ers win it once? That's the question you're asking yourself. And I said yes, definitely. Right? If this playoff was played twenty one times, would the Bengals win it once? Again, yes. I mean, actually, if you look at it, the Bengals play the Titans, who I'm not a massive believer of. I think the Bengals have got every chance to beat the Titans. And so the Bengals could get to the championship game here. And again, it's not always about are they actually going to win the thing. It's about are they value to win it? And can they do it that amount of times? You see, people get very hung up on, yeah, but I think the Packers are going to win it. Sure, nothing wrong with that thought. But the odds are really short in comparison to the other teams. So do you just want to take the super short odds where you think, ah, oh, that, that should win? Or do you want to look for the value where you go, well, I might be able to ride a free bet here or get some green, even if they don't win it. And then if they do, it's a massive, massive bonus. You know, and often, how often do we see big price winners as well? I mean, people, people forget this sometimes, but... Just look at horse racing. It will happen today. It will happen every day. You'll get a massive price win over a race that's totally unexpected. So outrights can be really good in that respect. Another reason I love horse racing for trading. Um, you know, I'm so excited for the horse racing software that we've got coming out very, very soon. Um, if you're not already on the waiting list or whatever, just get in touch with us, info at betfairtradingcommunity.com. Um, it's really important you get on that waiting list because depending on how we release it, I mean, we, we don't have any completely finalized plan for kind of the launch stuff. But if we do do anything where it's like exclusive to that list or we do anything where we just get the list in first just to kind of do some testing and stuff as well. And, you know, basically let us know what they want us to change before the kind of final products released. Um, you know, it'll be really good for you. And uh, so, yeah, make sure you do that if you haven't been already. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up uh, for this week. I hope you guys had a great weekend trading. I just wanted to do one on that. I, don't, I usually have more of a bigger theme, but I think sometimes just me talking to you about my weekend trading, um, you know, can kind of help you. I'll probably go through some of the testing stuff I'm doing next week as well. Uh, so I didn't really have time for that this time. Um, but yeah, getting some good testing done. and Always good to be getting your testing on as well as your trading, I find. And uh, yeah, just loving Betfair trading at the moment. Hope you guys are all feeling the same. 
if you're not it's probably because you're not a member of betfair trading community so get involved if you're not already a member and uh, you know we'd love to have you and we'd love to speak to you and we'd love to hang out with you and chat trading because uh, it's our passion you know we we want as many people as we we can to share that passion with because we know it's uh you know it's a niche thing you know i can't really talk to my mates about betfair trading other than kind of explain all that ever ends up happening is you have to explain what it is right you can't really have any particularly interesting conversations where they enlighten you a uh, great thing about betfair trading community is Everyone on there can enlighten me about something with trading, and I love that. All right, guys, thanks for everything. Thanks for the great feedback on the podcast. Um, so many comments saying how much you're enjoying it. So many messages as well, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, and don't feel like that stuff, you know. Some people I know are like, oh, sorry to message you. Don't ever feel that way. If you want to reach out, if you want to talk to me, please do. The reason is that actually that's what keeps this going. You know, knowing the fact that there's a lot of fans out, there's a lot of people loving this stuff. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps us going. Um, not that we particularly need the motivation because we just love what we're doing anyway. Um, but it's still, it's it's nice to hear that stuff, you know. And, and it's good feedback for us because then we can create content that, that suits you and that works for you guys. Anyway, guys, have a great week and I'll be back with another podcast next week.